today on CityCast Denver. There are three big boozy ballot measures at stake in next month's election that could change where and how we buy and drink alcohol in this state. So the big guys are saying, look, that's not really fair. Let's let the free market play out here. Let's even the playing field. The smaller independent outlets are definitely freaking out about this, and and they're warning that it could need some closures for some of those mom and pop stores. Jesse Paul is a politics reporter for the Colorado Sun, and he's on the show today to break down what these measures would do, who's paying for them, and how they could fundamentally change Colorado's liquor landscape. Today is Thursday, October 20th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. I'm trying to connect my headphones. and see if this could work. Sorry, my dog wants to say hi. Who's that? This is Bonnie. Oh my God, Bonnie's so cute. Oh. Okay, how's this sound? This is awesome. Jesse Paul, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks for having me. So we've got three initiatives on the ballot this time around that are all related to alcohol sales. And I would love if we could just do sort of a quick and dirty breakdown of of each one of those. Um, can you tell me about Proposition 124? Sure. So I kind of call this the total wine initiative. So what it would do is let uh, liquor retailers open more stores in Colorado. So right now they're only limited to three in a few years, they'll be able to open four. But what this would do is immediately let them open more stores and then by uh, 2037, open an unlimited number of stores. And this is pretty much solely being pushed for by Total Wine & More, the big national uh, chain and uh, the two owners, one of who's a, a United States representative. And they've spent, you know, seven, eight million dollars to try and get this thing passed. And then we have Proposition 125. Right. So what this would do is let grocery stores and convenience stores, basically anywhere you can buy full strength beer right now, uh, start selling wine in uh, March of next year. So really quickly. Uh, And this is being pushed by the people you might expect to be pushing it. The grocery stores um, are spending tons of money to put this on the ballot. You've probably seen their ads if you watch TV. So that adults have the convenience of buying wine in a grocery store without making extra stops and adding to our to-do list. And then finally, we have Proposition 126, which deals with to-go drinks, right? Right. And also deals with third-party delivery services. So I guess I'll, I'll start there. So if you've ever ordered liquor from a liquor store on an app, uh, the liquor store itself actually has to drive you the liquor. They can't you know, do it through Uber Eats or Instacart or Grubhub or whatever your service is. And, and that's because Colorado law requires um, the actual retailer to do that delivery service. And so, as you can imagine, there's a lot of retailers who don't have um, you know, that capability or the staff. Uh, you got to train people up to do it. It's it's not just as easy as you know putting someone in a car and sending them out to drop it off to you. So uh, this is also backed by the grocery stores, but it's also backed by like again Instacart, DoorDash, those delivery services. And then secondarily, this measure would also let restaurants sell to go alcohol in perpetuity because right now you know the pandemic allowance, uh, letting people deliver those to go margaritas that everybody loved. Um, runs out in July 2025, and this would just keep it going indefinitely. And the Color Restaurant Association is really excited about this. Um, they're one of the supporters of the measure. And again, this is also funded by the the grocery stores and the Instacarts and the DoorDashes of the world. A lot of corporate money coming in uh, for all three of these measures. 
That was sort of my next question was like, who's financially supporting these measures? And like you said, uh, you know, like a huge liquor store chain is our grocery store situation here is I mean, those are mega those are big corporations. What does that tell us about these initiatives? Yeah. And this is like something we focus on really closely at The Sun because the money can tell you, you know, pretty much everything you need to know about any kind of political race. And this one, you know, if you didn't know where the money was coming from for these things, you might think that these are initiatives that are being uh, pushed for by small independent liquor retailers who on the surface might look like they might benefit from some of these things or, you know, your mom and pop grocery store down the street. But that's really not the case. Uh, These are big corporations that are spending millions of dollars to try and pass these things this year in an effort really to to increase their business, to do better business in Colorado. Liquor stores, uh, you know, Total Wine, they want to be in every city in Colorado because they have their discount prices. And then you've got uh, the grocery stores who would be more than happy to have you just buy your wine there than go next door to the uh, neighborhood liquor store. And just, you know, the, the amount of money that we're seeing spent in these races, just for comparison, I mean, it's kind of rivaling the, the dollars that are being spent in, you know, the races for the governor and for congressional races in Colorado. It's just a ton of money. It seems almost like we're being asked to choose as voters who are also consumers. Are we going to be sort of going for the support of the bigger corporations or are we the person that wants to support the mom and pop? shops because it seems like it kind of is a battle between those two entities like you were saying i don't know if i like that feeling (laughs) yeah so you know obviously the small liquor stores are fighting this but they don't have anywhere near as much money so you know they're spending half million dollars compared to you know 10 11 12 million dollars it's being spent on the other side of things and you know I, i will point out that the liquor laws the way that they're written in colorado is to help those you know small mom and pop organizations. And so the big guys are saying, look, that's not really fair. Let's let the free market play out here. Let's even the playing field. And that way, you know, consumers can have more choice. They can decide if they want to be able to go buy, you know, the cheaper alcohol, total wine, or, you know, pick up eggs, beer, wine, and bread or whatever at the grocery store. And it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, what consumers say. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. Something that I find interesting, and I don't know, this maybe is kind of a dumb question, but these are citizen-led initiatives technically, right? Right. And everyone who ever sees that should (laughs) maybe have a little pause. So, I mean, just for background here, I mean, to get a statewide ballot initiative on the ballot this year, you needed to collect 125,000 signatures from voters in Colorado. And nobody can do that on their own. Nobody really tries to do that. The citizen-led initiative thing is kind of a, a misnomer. 
Um, all these organizations pay signature gatherers to fan out across Colorado to collect signatures. And when they say that you need 125,000 valid voter signatures, that means you really got to turn in like 200,000 plus just to be sure that you're getting enough and people don't mess up, you know, the spelling of their names or the towns or eligibility or whatever. So uh, this year, you know, just like every other uh, industry, wages have gone up for signature gatherers. It costs more to gather signatures. And I heard, you know, people were gathering signatures for as little as $10 a signature and as much as like $35 a signature. So that's a ton of money. And, you know, millions of dollars get spent trying to collect these signatures just to put these things on the ballot in the first place. That's a whole other show, Jesse. But what I'm wondering is we've got three measures targeting a specific industry. And if they all pass, would this mean some, some kind of a seismic shift in Colorado's alcohol policy? Yeah. So people might remember a few years ago, there was the liquor wars in Colorado and it went through the legislature. And that was where all of these kind of topics started swirling around to begin with. And, you know, if you've been around for more than two years in Colorado, you know that you weren't able to buy full strength beer before. You had to buy the 3-2 beer. Uh, you had to drink twice as much to get, uh, you know, as drunk. And At the grocery store, right. you mean. Right. And, and at right. 7-Elevens okay. and stores like that. You know, you could always buy the sure. full-strength beer. But again, all of these policies kind of centering around the idea of, of trying to help mom-and-pop folks. So there was this grand compromise that was reached. And that grand compromise allowed for full-strength beer sales in, in grocery stores. And it opened the door in the future for wine sales in liquor-licensed drugstores and spirit sales in liquor-licensed drugstores in, you know, 10, 15 years from now. So... Uh, this is kind of that all falling apart. <laughs> and, you know, we're seeing all these millions of dollars uh, by the corporations coming in and, and, and going around the legislature using the citizen initiative process, again, maybe a misnomer, to kind of rewrite these laws. This would be a huge sea change in the way that Coloradans buy their alcohol and the way that the you know state's entire liquor laws are set up. Um, thinking about Proposition 126, which deals with like to-go cocktails and third-party app de- like uh, alcohol delivery, is is part of this push a result of the pandemic? Definitely. I mean, I think restaurants. You know, if you talk to them, they say, you know, we survived the pandemic because of our ability to sell to-go alcohol. Like everybody right. knows, restaurants make a lot of their money off of drinks to begin with. So, you know, they were really happy when when the state allowed them to offer this uh, during the pandemic. And then there was an interesting debate at the Capitol this year about whether or not to continue it and for how long. And and again, there was independent liquor stores who were concerned about it. A lot of uh, high-powered lobbyists were trying to fight this thing or or work on its behalf. And eventually it passed, but they only agreed to let it go through 2025. And so now this would, you know, again, let it go forever. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, restaurants say, you know, we're still recovering. This is a big source of revenue for us. You know, please keep it around. And and then there's a tie back too, right? I mean, it's it's better for the uh, restaurants to be able to sell the to-go alcohol through, you know, third-party delivery services, to have Uber Eats carrying this stuff and DoorDash rather than the individual restaurant employees. And so, uh, you know, there, there's an interesting tie together there. But certainly restaurants are excited about the prospect of, of being able to know in perpetuity that this is something that they can offer and, and definitely, you know, helps their revenue. I'm a parent of a very small child, but I'm also thinking about like if these pass and he's a teenager, can he just order alcohol to the house? <laughs> that is a concern. That is something that that opponents of this do bring up. But, you know, the folks who drop off the, this alcohol, you know, they've got to be trained. They've got to look at IDs. They can't just kind of, uh, you know, leave it at the door and run away. I, you know, 
whether or not in practice that'll be as much of an issue, I think that kind of remains to be seen. It's it's probably going to be pretty similar to how you get alcohol at the you know liquor store anyways, where somebody has to check your ID and. Um, maybe it makes it a little easier for, for folks who are under 21 to buy alcohol, but certainly, you know, there's, there's steps and safeguards in place to make sure that it's not kind of a free for all. Sure. Sure. So uh, I'm thinking about, again, these measures as a whole, um, by themselves, or if they all pass together, could this really kind of like spell the end of the neighborhood liquor store? If you talk to the neighborhood liquor store, they would say yes. Um, I don't know if that's true. I will tell you as like a personal consumer, I will always go to the neighborhood liquor store because it's just easier. Two blocks away for me to go buy a bottle of wine or a six pack, you know, as long as it's there, I'm going to I'm going to go there. But, you know, I'm also willing to drive when I'm when I have a few minutes, 15 minutes away to total wine to get, you know, liquor that's a little bit cheaper. And I I think all these things will like have to play themselves out over time if all of these pass. And, And to be clear, like, I think there's a pretty good shot that they will, you know, money and politics makes a big difference. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for convenience here. And I think people probably would be happy to have some more options. You know, I think we'll just kind of have to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jesse Paul, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. Our neighbors in Castle Rock are upping their efforts to conserve water. According to Colorado Community Media, the town council is considering a proposal to block house builders in Douglas County's largest municipality from putting in turf front lawns. Instead, developers will be required to xeriscape, as in plant less thirsty plants, to help Castle Rock use less water overall. The decision comes after a similar ban on quote-unquote ornamental grass in Aurora, as communities all across the Front Range contend with limited water and increasing demand for housing. Oh, and since we're knee-deep in election season, clerk and recorder Paul Lopez is stopping by CityCast Denver soon, and we want to know, what questions do you have for the clerk ahead of the election next month? What do you want to know about voting in Denver? Text us or leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood at 720-500-5418 or email us at denver at citycast.fm and we might ask Clerk Lopez your question. I'll have all that contact information for you in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell your neighborhood liquor store about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, which you can do by texting Denver to 66866. That's text Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. I mean, I grew up with the neighborhood liquor store I went to with my dad. And then I lived in Cap Hill and went to Paul's Liquors. I mean, I, I know my liquor store guy, so. Is Paul's Liquor on Colfax? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like right I by had, the Papa John's. And yeah. Like it's it's kind of chaotic, I'll be honest. The worst alcohol I've ever consumed in my life was from there. It was called <laughs> Pennsylvania Style Ice, and one of my friends <laughs> bought it as a joke, and it was really bad. I mean, I went there to get, like, Mad Dog 2020 when I was, you know, 20, 21 years old and living on Colfax. But the guy, same guy, Perfecto, is at the counter still to this day. So I could go back and see the guy that was selling to me in 2001. <laughs>